Grace. Yeah, David? Do you want to go back? Back where? Back to the best. Back to the best? Back Back to to the the best. best. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Back to the Best. I'm David. And I'm Grace. And this is our podcast where we talk about all the best things from the 90s to the 2000s, which is also known as the best times to all our first time listeners welcome and to all our former besties returning welcome back to all of you beautiful people we're really really happy that you're here we're happy you're here welcome back and a big happy fall to everybody out there listening happy fall guys it's david and i will say though it is quite the opposite of fall where we are Mm -hmm. it's currently a uh 97 degrees outside here Mm-hmm. And when we say 97 degrees, we really mean it feels like 107 degrees. There is no breeze. And if one does happen to blow, it is hot air. It is desert heat. It feels like someone's just blowing hot air on you. If you even get a breeze, which you probably won't. It's also very dry. Very dry. Very dry. You need Our water all the time. <laughs> Guys, I went for a run this morning and it was so hot that I know my body was producing sweat, but it was so dry out that my sweat was drying so quickly. So, I was wow. just very confused. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think I'm okay. I went on a walk earlier and drank coffee. So I was just dehydrating myself two ways mm-hmm. in, in the heat. Cause it was, uh, it, was iced co- it was iced coffee just for the record. It was coffee with ice. Okay. So it was iced coffee, iced coffee. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank God. But nonetheless, happy fall to everybody. Happy fall everyone. Now it is, I mean, September 1st is whenever I started getting out my decorations, my fall Mm -hmm. decor. I started watching movies, but now it's like everyone like, now it's like socially acceptable. So what, now that it's fall, what is your first fall Halloween movie going to be? Oh, I mean, I always want to say Halloween Town because it's a movie I could watch all the time. I remember last year, quarantine probably, even though are we still in quarantine? Who knows? Had a lot to do with it. I got really into Halloween last year. Like I remember Mm -hmm. loving watching the movies to the point where when it was over, I was really sad and I love a holiday, but I never really got sad when Halloween was over, but I really missed it. Right. Cause nice you still have Thanksgiving have and then Christmas. I know when Christmas is over, forget it. The depression of oh, after Christmas is so don't real. Don't even get me started. We'll do an episode on it once. Just how we feel after Christmas Holiday is over. depression. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a real thing. I think it is too. Um, but yeah, I think Halloween town, although I do really want to see, I always want to call it Maleficent. But it's malignant. It's the new James Wan movie. And he did The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2, oh. Annabelle. He's done such good horror films. Mm-hmm. Horror. There horror. Is horror. It's the season of horror. It's the season of horror. <laughs> Welcome to horror with Back to the Best. Um, so I'm really excited to watch that. But as far as the classics, when you know there's going to be Halloween Town, you know there's going to be mm-hmm. Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. And then I just got to throw in, I know what you did last summer. I still know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Scream. Mm-hmm. Isn't Scream 5 coming out soon? Oh, that's right. I think so. Oh, I scream. You scream. We all scream, we all scream, for, scream for Scream 5. <laughs> what about you? What movie are you going to watch? First? I already did Halloween. Unless you already now. have. I did mm-hmm. Halloween okay. already. But okay. now that it's like officially fall, probably Hocus Pocus. 
Yeah, it's I those are movies that even though I really do wait till the holiday season to watch, they're just so fresh in my mind all the time. Oh, I can that quote, I feel like can quote it at any time of the year. Oh, it's so good. And you went to Disneyland. You saw the fall decorations. The fall decorations were up at Disneyland. It was the last day of my three-day pass. To say I was dramatic walking <laughs> back to the car. <laughs> Listen, I would have been the same way. I was dramatic at home, getting mad at myself that we didn't get the three-day pass, mm-hmm. living vicariously through. But you know what? This is why I'm really glad that we have our Disney Instagrams because I can kind of go there on the Disney mm-hmm. Instagram. I love to watch. And there's so stories. many. Yeah. I was going to say, I love following all the Disney influencers who it's there. Okay. There was somebody vlogging at Disneyland. I okay. could not recognize her, but I saw someone like, like get so excited and run up and take a selfie with her. Oh, I wonder who it was. I don't know. It was her. And like some guy was following her and then he got in the picture too. So they must be like a, I don't know if they're like a couple that mm. Disney vlog, but anyway, I love what like following along. It's like bittersweet because I love watching it, but then I also wish I was there. I know. I mean, if only we were Disney influencers and were rich enough to pay for the magic key. (laughs) I know. I like, I feel like I might next year splurge and get the magic key, but we'll see. I'm hopeful that they're going to reduce the prices of the magic key because I I feel like they can't right until it's been like a year because everybody who bought one would be, if I bought one now and then they reduce the price, I'd be livid. I saw, we, we, I think we both followed the Disneyland news today. Yeah. Great Instagram. If you really want to find out Disney news, right. When it happens, check it out. But they posted something that says Disney CEO, the new CEO, Bob, is it Chapic? I don't know how to say it. Last name. He called the park pass reservation system, the backbone of domestic theme parks, And he thinks this system allows the company to better allocate resources. And most of the comments on this post, well, the first one says missing Iger's Disney parks, which is Bob. Yeah. I don't like this new guy at all. No, I don't. I don't know him as a person, but just like the decisions he's made about just charging for literally everything. Everything, everything, everything. Like someone said, reservations are fine, but the genie and lightning lanes or in lighting lanes and all the new crap is overly complicated for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. Someone said he is the worst thing to happen to Disney in a very long time. My Disney experiences have not all have not been the same. It's very true. They're, they're really taking advantage of the people that love it the most mm-hmm. because the, we I think we talked about it, but the annual pass the key, magic keys are just a disaster. They're way too much money. They're so expensive. Yeah. So we're really uh-huh. sad about that. But I mean, yeah, he's the worst, but someone who's not the worst, someone who I would say even is the best. Us or back to the best. That's that's the only reason I went there. Oh, I mean, I would, we're always the best, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I was going to say Lee Fleming. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Lee Fleming is also the best. Lee Fleming. I mean, listen, Lee Fleming is who is on this episode, which means he is now a part of the back to the best family. Mm -hmm. He's a bestie. He's a bestie. Oh, we should Aww. give, we should give our guests like welcome cards. Like a like a welcome card. You're an honorary bestie. Welcome to the family. Oh my gosh. That sh- we should do that. Um, but you guys, we had such a fantastic time talking with Lee. He was so nice. And I thanked him at the end for this, but I really feel like he let us fangirl a little bit because he's worked on so many shows that we love. And movies, yeah. of course. You guys, he's a writer and producer. He's worked on, he wrote She's All That, the new He's All That, which 
I don't even think that we mentioned this to him in the interview debuted at number one on Netflix, which is huge, huge. Yeah. He's written on friends, one tree Hill. He did step-by-step, which we actually didn't realize, but we love step-by-step and they just celebrated an an anniversary. I think 20 years. And there's going to be, I actually just saw that there's going to be a new, um, step-by-step rewatch podcast. Oh, that's right. I love a good rewatch podcast. I'm all here for it. Cause we love to rewatch stuff anyway. Why not rewatch it with a podcast? I misspoke. It was 30 years of step-by-step just two days ago. Well, three days ago from the day this episode comes out. Oh, but we love step-by-step. We were also talking with Lee a little bit about our love for theme songs because step-by-step has one of the best theme songs ever. Oh, ever. He's great. The interview was amazing. Lee, thank you for coming on. I, I, anything else you have to add before we just jump right into it? Um, Lee, thank you for becoming a part of the family. I think that's it. (laughs) Here he is, Lee Fleming. Nice to meet both of you. Nice, nice to, to meet, meet you, you as well. Where where are you located? Uh, I am in LA. Uh, I guess LACMA is about a quarter of a mile that way. Oh, okay. nice. Oh, that's a great area. Yeah, so um, I guess Miracle Mile sort of-ish. What about y'all? Uh, I'm in Studio City and she's North Hollywood. Oh, okay. I lived in Studio City for like 11 years. I just, oh, wow. I just moved over here a couple of years ago. Yeah. Oh, not, yeah. I love it here so far. I've been here a little over a year now. I love Studio the City's the best. The yeah. Valley's great. It, it gets a little hotter than other it's spots. So hot today. But... <laughs> I always used to get so annoyed by people who talk about how hot, incredibly hot. Like it's like this just, you know, completely different. It's not, it's slightly hotter. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. My brother lives in the West Hollywood area. And I, no matter what, when he comes down here, he goes, oh my God, it is so much hotter. That makes a huge ordeal. And I feel the same way. I'm like, it's not, it's really not. It's like three miles away or something. I know. I know. It's like a 15 minute drive to his place. And he claims it is worlds different over here. It's it's drama. Very dramatic. The drama. Well, if you don't mind, we'd love to just kind of start off and just ask you some questions just about your career, and then we'll get into he's all that, she's all that, and all that. Of course, that'll be great. (laughs) So you've obviously written some of our favorite movies and shows. How did you get started writing? Let's see. Um, I was really good in English and not that good at, I was not that great at other things um, uh, in in college, and I I loved being in school and I sort of felt like I just, I could have just stayed there, you know, forever. And then all of a sudden it was like time to, time to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And I happened to be taking a playwriting class. uh, And that was when it sort of, it sort of uh, occurred to me that maybe I could, you know, I had fun doing that and maybe I could actually uh, turn that into a career. Now it took a long time between, you know, the point where I, had that 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 idea and when I uh, you know finally got up the guts to come to move out to LA um, mm. but uh, anyway that was yeah that was my uh, sort of the way that was that was the first you know, that was the initial sort of notion that, that this might be something I wanted to do. Did you get this stereotypical response of like you're moving to LA like when I, I'm from <laughs> the east coast and my family their minds were blown oh, they couldn't well, believe what I was doing. I think my mom just recently 
came to grips with the fact that I'm, I'm moving back uh, to Texas to become a, an attorney. Uh, <laughs> she's she still holding it. on. It's not happening at this point. Um, so yes. And, and I, I feel like when I did, when I did went through that and it was the, you know, the early mid nineties before, you know, I moved out here in 94. I, I mean, I don't think it was, I, I didn't know anybody who, uh, who works in entertainment and mm-hmm. the inter- we didn't have the internet. So there wasn't, there was mm-hmm. so much information that, that I didn't have. So there was, a, some, some, you know, it required a, a huge leap of faith that this was even something that's, you know, remotely. Yeah. Possible. Wait, yeah. so whenever you moved here, then what was your first like foot in the door situation? My first foot in the door, well, I moved out here knowing two people and I slept on their couch for a while my first job, and I lucked into it because I think someone had just gotten fired, but um, I was hired to, to be a PA, an office PA on a show called Dead at 21, which was MTV's very first, I believe their first scripted series. So again, this is oh, 19, wow. 1994, I think. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so my first job was working for MTV. Um, Dead at 21. But- I've never heard of that. I, I don't, don't think, think I have either. Yeah, well, I think that was that was part of the problem. But it was, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a guy named Jack Noseworthy, who I think is more into uh, theater actor. Um, and then Lisa Jean Ryan, who had been, who played Dookie Hauser's girl, on again, off again, girlfriend. Okay. Um, I feel like we made, I guess, I think they made like 12 episodes and that was it. Um, yeah. But that was my first job. And then I kind of, went from assistant job to assistant job after that. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, did the whole, you know, it, it was show business, but really, you know, I, and this is back when we get paid, we would have pagers too. So, you know, I would, oh my I would gosh, have, yeah. I'd get a page and I have to, it was a, you know, nine one one and I'd have to pull off the, you know, and I'd call and they'd say, we need more Doritos or whatever. <laughs> the typical <laughs> PA. Yeah. yeah the Dorito <laughs> emergency. And, uh, and I had those kinds of that, those, that type of job for, for, about three years um, before I got my first job where I actually got to be in the writer's room. Yeah. Which was, uh, which was as a writer's assistant on a show called Step by Step. With oh, we love Step by Step. And, uh, and Suzanne Summers and oh, the giant group of uh, young actors uh, playing their kids. And uh, that was so much fun. It was just, that was such a great experience being able to be be part of the process you know just taking notes in the writer's room as uh as they as they uh wrote the show um and it, from there i um i got i had started writing when when i was in college and i i had first gotten that I, the idea of becoming a becoming a, a screenwriter i started writing my own i started writing a script a screenplay without even really knowing what a screenplay looked like i mean we really i didn't even have access to that but so it looked a lot like a play but it was called Getting Over Allison, which that was that I rewrote it and rewrote it. And I don't know how many years later it turned into uh, the movie Get Over It with uh, with Kirsten Dunst. And oh, yeah. And Ben Foster. Wow. Uh, anyway, and I, I had that script. Um, so I was right. I was working as a writer's assistant and a friend got that script, which, which was the only script I had written at, to that point. That was right around the time. It was a couple of years after Clueless had come out and they were, everyone had finally said, oh, well, we're going to, it started to say, well, we're going to, uh, we're going to start, uh, we're going to start, we're, we're going to do more teen movies based on classic, uh, classic uh, literature. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and a company called Tapestry was um, the producers, uh, Jennifer Gibgott and Andrew Panay, who actually were produced uh, the He's All That, which just came out. Anyway, they had the idea for doing Pygmalion in, in high school. And they read my sample and knew I was dirt cheap. Um, so, <laughs> they're like we'll take him <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would be over the moon to, to be working for 11 bucks or whatever they paid me and i was it was just such a dream come true to get hired to to write uh to write um to, to write a, a script a professional script yeah and sort of it took this kind of really charmed path just again because it was kind of in the zeitgeist that that's just and and right around that same time they were at at Disney, I guess, or Touchstone, uh, they were, they were, they were developing um, 10 Things I Hate About You. And we were, and at that point, from that point, it was kind of a race to see which could come out first. Um, um, and then, of course, uh, there were other movies like that that sort of that followed. But um, yeah, it, it's really spoiled me early in my career. I was thinking, wow, this is all you have to do is you just have to write a, <laughs> uh, write a script and they'll make it into a movie. And then, uh, the, you know, and then you have a career. So I, you know, it, it was incredible. It was, there were so many things that went just so right with that, um, with that project. I mean, you know, right down to the, you know, I mean, the, the cast is just crazy when you look back and see who was in that movie. Um, so it was just, it was a completely charmed first experience. So that was my, that's how I got started. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> Also, first of all, step by step, such a good show. Yeah, we had the um, the costume designer on a while back, and she just yeah, said that that whole had... production was mm-hmm. incredible to work at. What's a uh, 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 it was a uh, Lynn Paolo. Oh, Lynn Paolo. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She just said everyone was wonderful there. It was the probably the nicest bunch of people. The the nicest set, like like problem free, ego free set. Most ego free set that you know. It really was. It was. It was a. Uh, that was a great time. That was that company, you know, those the companies that made that Miller Boyette and uh, and Bickley Warren. Like at that point, they had like six shows on the air or something yeah. like that. Yeah, Family Matters and Hanging with Mr. Cooper and uh, um, I don't know, uh, Full House. So it was. Uh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There. Wow. Yeah, I didn't even re- like <laughs> think about how many shows they had on at one time. <laughs> they pretty much had every show that was on ABC on Friday night. It's like Chuck Lorre today. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's nobody like that. Yeah. Except for Chuck Lorre. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. that was at Warner Brothers, right? It was at Warner Brothers. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. We all like half the sound stages were those shows. That's crazy. That's so funny. Yeah. We both used to give tours of the Warner Brothers lot before. <laughs> so oh, we used really? to be driving around showing everything there. Yeah. I used to, I took my boss, when I first started uh, as an assistant there, one thing they had me do was take the Warner Brothers tour and then take notes. So then I could, so I could drive people around on the golf cart and get, I didn't pay a lot of attention. So <laughs> I made up a lot of stuff. <laughs> I feel like some of the tour guys just made up their own stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people don't know any, yeah. Any Nobody way. knows. So, They're given a mic and a tram and they just go to town. Just, yeah. <laughs> Might be true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're also credited as an executive story editor for Friends. Mm -hmm. Now, so we have first question: What exactly is an executive story editor? uh, Is a writer. It's a. It's a writer. Okay. um, They give you. They give you. There's. There's an order of. Of I guess. Perhaps more important sounding titles that as you go on. So you. Right. 
start out as, a, out as a staff writer. And really, until you get to the point where you are producing, you are a staff writer, you know, and everybody's a staff writer. Um, so you start out as a staff writer, then you're a story editor, then you're an executive story editor, then you're a co-producer, I think. Um, I don't okay. you know. It's a title. So it's just a, a writer. So there's actually oh. no, no story editing really going on. Okay. That's really interesting to hear because even I remember I used to always think, what even does a producer do? Like everyone gets, that's a huge title to have, but is it, is it different from other roles? It, it, it can be. Um, I think once you get to the point where you are, pl- where you're, you're serving some purpose besides being in the writer's room and, and, and working on the scripts once you're maybe involved in, and, and again, it varies from show to show, but involved mm. in, for example, being like being the, the, the point person on, on set. Um, of course, on a, on a multicam sitcom, all the writers are on set. So it's kind of a different, uh, a different animal, but um, that's, yeah, that's the, most of those titles are, they really are just how long the, the, it, it indicates how long you, how many, how, how long you've been uh, doing. Yeah. Gotcha. So for being, like you mentioned, being a writer on a, a multicam sitcom, cause I, we've heard that sometimes they'll do a scene, cut the writers are right there. They'll go in and change the line right, right off the cuff. Do you, yeah. do you love that energy? And is that true? Does yeah, that really I, happen? That, that was one of the most appeal. I mean, I, everything I came out here to become a writer, but I remember I, cause it was that uh, going back to talking about Warner brothers, uh, all those shows, those, those, uh, those shows that I worked on um, early in my career, we were on the Warner brothers lot. And so one of the perks was you could get passes. You could get, to, mm. to sit it to sit in the audience and i just happened to get here the same year that uh get there the same year that friends that er and friends both started like right when i was there now you couldn't go to the er set um i did sneak in one time but you, know, <laughs> you have to um uh but i went to i was i believe they were the the tapings of the friends tapings were tuesday nights um um, and so I went the first two seasons, I probably went to every single one of those. Anyway, I remember seeing and sitting in the front row and seeing, yes, would, when a joke wouldn't work. And that's one of the great things about a live audience. If you can tell if a joke's not going to land, it didn't mm-hmm. land. And then of course, you, the, 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 when you really hate it is when that was your joke, um, which yeah. is, oh, no. <laughs> But, and yeah, it was so cool. Everyone would like gather around the the, the bosses. So I guess Marta and David and and uh-huh. they would you, I could kind of overhear them pitching the jokes and then see them come up with a, a joke that would would uh, would land with the audience. Anyway, so yes, um, that is that's part of the the live audience uh, thing, the multicam. And it's one of the I haven't done a multicam in years, and that that is one thing that you really that there is no substitute for. You know, is you know the, is the excitement of show of show night and um, mm-hmm. and getting and you know getting yeah it's 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 closer to theater I think than uh, than that's true other types of uh, um, of TV um, so yeah that's that's fun and it's always you feel great when you actually do get a joke you get your joke makes it out of that <laughs> yeah um, I bet oh that has to be the best feeling <laughs> uh, especially if it lands I can't, I, I can't I'm trying to think of a time that actually worked out for me but <laughs> we um, have no doubt that it did <laughs> <laughs> what was it obviously friends was like huge because you came in around season eight correct season eight yeah so what was it like coming into a show that's already so beloved and then you're just being there then I, I had never taken antacids until that. 
it was um it was you know i compare it to like you know because i i've been so lucky i've been lucky uh you know i've been working up until that point but you know because i had the history of you know going to all the tapings and being so kind of you know like you know was a huge fan of the show mm-hmm. it was it was really one of those kind of dream come true kind of um opportunities um, but it was nerve-wracking i mean it really was like you know was was just everyone and it was a huge room too you know writers rooms now are not maybe there are some that but i want to say there were 16 people in that room counting martin and david when they were wow. there wow um, they would because they weren't always in the room but um it uh it was it was um you know getting a word in uh, especially as the new one of the new people yeah. um, was 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 stressful um but it made it that much more satisfying when you did come up with something that made it into the script. Oh my um, gosh, I bet. Yeah. And everyone was just so talented that um, it was a great opportunity to, to learn. So yeah, mm-hmm. kind of getting thrown into the fire, but definitely kind of coming out of it um, with a, a lot more experience. And, uh, and yeah, I'm, it was, I, I'm very grateful that I, I got to do that. Yeah. yeah so I would imagine that has to be, just an insane feeling knowing that you're going to have shows episodes out there that people are just going to watch for forever. Like I've seen every episode of friends a million times. <laughs> it is. It, it, I, I don't think anyone had a, had any, had a sense that it would, can, it would have the legs that it does and that people mm-hmm. like today who weren't like, weren't alive. I mean, my, my nephew and his friends and he's well, he just graduated from high school and they, they okay. quote lines to each other and, uh, and uh, and yeah, they they uh, they've just you know just discovered it anew. Um, that makes our nostalgic hearts really happy, though. Yeah. That they just <laughs> live on, right? It's better than when people look back and just make fun of. of that's yeah, true. Right? Not, yeah. That you were into, yeah. <laughs> I so know because they just it, shows aren't really made the same way. You know, there's I mean, theme songs are completely out the window. They barely have those anymore. No, and there was just such a love at that time for those things. Yeah. Oh. Theme songs, yeah, they they do not want to they do not want to waste people's time on. It's no. just the title, and then they move on. <laughs> yeah, and even if there is a short credit sequence, opening credit sequence, you have the option of just pressing to skip button. it. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it can skip person the whole thing. Spend all the time to come up with the the theme. You know, I don't know. I like it. I like a whole song that explains the premise of the show and mm-hmm. shows every yeah. eight cast members. I. Still like that, but that was I did too, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't remember ever being annoyed by them, but now that there is the skip option, I use it. I was gonna say I'm right. Guilty, I mean, but I remember being that. fine watching the theme song play out. I see, and my wife skips them and I and I'm so wait, 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 I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, but you know it. You're like, yeah, but yeah. I still want to hear it. <laughs> exactly. I'm easy to entertain, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so then you went from like the multi-camera and then a single camera show you were on was One Tree Hill. How different is something like that then? It's very different. And that was my first, you know, it, up until that point, I had had this movie career and by career it was two movies, but I was writing movies, but I was, while I was also working on sitcoms and I was writing, you know, selling sitcoms that didn't go anywhere. And so I, I still was a, I was a multi-cam half hour person up until that, that, point and I was just got a call to go in an interview for the for for that show and I guess because I I had written a lot of stuff for for young people I guess um for uh for high school you know high school age stuff 
Um, it was, I mean, there certainly are similarities. I mean, it was, you know, the writer's room was still pretty familiar. It's just, you're not, pit, you're not pitching jokes. You're just, you're just pitching story <laughs> soapy moments. Oh, and, uh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was, it was a pretty smooth transition. Um, the only thing that was different on that particular show was it filmed, it filmed in, uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina, and mm. we didn't spend any time on the, on the set. So I think I went to Wilmington once for a rap party, but oh wow, um, we would just, you know, we would, uh, we would write the scripts and then the next time we would see them, anything would be when dailies, you know, when dailies came back. So there was, it was the opposite of, of going, Ooh, this doesn't work. We better fix it. You know, mm. it, you know, at that point it's just, it's a done deal. So, wow. Um, so that was, that was a difference, but it, it was a lot of fun. I, I wrote with a lot of really talented people that I'm, I'm still, uh, still friends with. Um, oh, nice. You know, it's funny because I'm a huge fan of the show, The Office, and they always talk about on that show how collaborative it was. And Greg Daniels, I mean, heck, the writers were actors on the show. No. So you hearing from you that you guys never even went to set, did that, did that make it difficult because you didn't really get to see your words play out at all? Yes, it did. And it, it was like, whoa, that was not what we intended at all. And right, it, I can imagine. Which is not the fault, which wasn't the fault of the people making the show in Wilmington. They just made a, you know, ma they just made the decision. There, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a conversation. There probably mm. was a conversation with the showrunner. Uh, um, but, um, and I mean, there certainly was, but um, we just weren't the, the, all the other writers, none of the other writers were consulted. Um, hmm. Wow. Um, so it was always a little bit of a surprise, but it turned out pretty well. That show went. Through. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't do too bad, did it? Yeah. <laughs> it did OK. It did OK. Um, <laughs> that was a uh, yeah. So that was, a, you know, another uh, another really great opportunity to to learn to kind of learn new skills because um, I had not written for a, a quote unquote drama at that point. Well, then you also worked as a writer for the MTV Movie Awards. So now you're writing for an award show. How, <laughs> how do you even do that? That was a one-off <laughs> deal. And that was very specific. Um, I was, uh, that was the year. And you know, the, the director, um, got person who used to direct us for years, Joel Gallen. You remember how he used to do those really, they would weave the hosts into, uh, into clips that looked like they were oh, yeah. of the movie he was so good at that and he ended up directing um uh oh what's the um oh gosh the movie that there was the the the, the spoof movie that was based on all the teen movies oh not another, oh, teen not movie. another teen movie. Yeah. The title. um he ended up directing that um joel gallon but um they were doing there, there was a i guess the theme was was teen movies at that time so um so i can't i went um so I was brought in to, to specifically to, to help write, write these segments that were, were spoofing uh, teen movies. Um, I'm trying to remember how, you know, how that ended up, uh, turned out. But I do remember, uh, <laughs> that's where I met, um, uh, I met the, um, the writers of uh, um, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, Lutz mm. and Smith. That was, that was um, and uh, yeah. So that was, that was, it was fun. It was, it was fun also working with, with people. Cause I hadn't worked. Um, I certainly never worked in that, that type of environment with uh, a lot of, you know, like standups and people like that, who were people who were writing, you know, writing, you know, there were, it was an award show, which was a, yeah. a completely different uh, type of uh, type of writing. So that was fun. 
Wait, okay, speaking of Not Another Teen Movie, what was it like for you to watch a movie basically spoofing movies that you helped with, like She's All That? It was, it was, I loved it. I laughed out loud. <laughs> I had just worked with Joel and he sent me the script um, and asked me to read it, just what do you think? And I, la- I remember laughing out loud. <laughs> um, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was fantastic and really, really funny and spot on. I mean, yeah, it was it's so easy, good. It's an easy subject to uh, to certainly to to make fun of. <laughs> Especially because it was like one of the first ones like that and Scary Movie were the first two big spoof movies. Right, right. That was fun. And then, so you mentioned that, you know, you were obviously on set for Friends, not on set for One Tree Hill. Whenever you were doing She's All That, were you on set and involved like with any kind of writing on set as well? I was doing writing. I was writing. Um, I was... I was at that point. I was doing double duty. I had written. I was writing on a. Uh, I was writing for the Olsen twins on a show called Two of a Kind. I was oh, still in that Friday loved night. That show. We love Two of a Kind. <laughs> we love anything the Olsen twins did. <laughs> so so uh, so yeah. So they would they would keep calling me and pulling me out of the room, saying, "Hey, we need a uh, you know." You know, can you can you do a little, write a little dialogue here? Add a little dialogue here. Or we need a different joke here. Um, I remember one time they were they were uh, they called and they just said we need to we need a something um, we need a clever name. There's there's a scene where Brock Hudson Matt, Matthew Lillard's character is getting a tat- getting the tattoo of himself on his arm, uh-huh. and it's there's like a, a mobile behind him. There's a van. It's like a mobile tattoo parlor, and we need a name for the. And I remember sitting there in the room while we're breaking Olsen twins stuff and thinking, and I was so proud of myself. I think it's it's I don't think anyone ever noticed, but it's called Leonard's Skin Art is the name of the, <laughs> is the I thought it was clever. That is so it's clever. very clever. <laughs> it, it's uh, but I, I was extremely proud of myself. Leonard's Skin Art. I love that. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so that uh, so I was working. I was I was I was working on it. But um, to answer your question uh, or finish answering your question, I uh, I went to set probably three times maybe something like that okay. I, was, I was working on another thing so i remember going to the the big the 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 big party scene the one where brock does the uh the dance by the solo dance and uh-huh. uh, and then uh and then i i remember being there for the uh performance art so that i remember going to that's set. such a good scene were fun. you involved in any of the casting process for she's all that no, I mean, I, um, I, I would hear bits and pieces and I actually got to see a couple of someone snap me some audition tapes, which was really, really cool. Um, uh, but no, I, I um, when you're the, even now when you're the screenwriter, you generally are, unless you're also working in some sort of uh, producer capacity, you're usually not, not, a, not part of that. Okay. Okay. Like in television where you are, if you're, if you know, especially if you're like, a, if you're a showrunner, then you're, you're involved. Yeah. Cause you think you would be because you, you visualize these characters that you're writing about. So you would think that maybe it would be collaborative in that way because you, then you see someone walk in the room and you're like, Oh, that's what I pictured or, Oh, that's who I thought that the character would be. Yeah. Gosh, it was so long ago. I can't even remember who I I know. (laughs) I think I, you know, I, you know, I think that every once in a while they would float a name and then I would start picturing that person. Remember Claire, Claire Danes was a person who was, mm. while I was writing that, I was mm. picturing her. But then as soon as they said, no, it's not going to be Claire Danes, I just kind of erased her. And just okay. <laughs> move on. Yeah. I mean, the cast ended up being like perfect for all their roles. Spot in the movie. on. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how, if, how 
that, what a what an amazing uh, accomplishment to a to, perfect blend. That group of, <laughs> yeah, that group of of actors at that time. Um, you know, right? You know, a, a couple of months later, and we wouldn't have been able to get all of them because so many so many of them just like blew up. Yeah. Did you ever imagine that twenty two years later you'd be writing a basically <laughs> no. a sequel to it? <laughs> no, I um I had a um I I over the years every once in a while someone would bring something up and it even got to the point where I would have a meeting uh, I'd get called in and sit down and someone okay here we're going to do a tv show it's going to be and um and you know and it never it would never come to anything so when um when I heard um when I when I was contacted about doing this the doing he's all that I I remember thinking wow this is really cool it's a great idea but you know until it happens it's hard to not going to believe it yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was, you know, again, it was a wonder, you know, it was uh, one of those things that just really worked out. And, uh, yeah. Cause I know we've heard this is the time for things being rebooted and sequels left and right. And, but there are some people who were a part of the originals that are nervous about recreating it because you don't want to ruin it. Or you're like, well, wait, we have this perfect combination of everyone's schedules and the casting and everything. Do we want to do it again? And that's, I understand that apprehension and I probably felt a little bit of that myself. Um, but it's also its own thing. I mean, the characters, even the people who are back from the original movie are not playing them, aren't playing themselves. So we just- mm-hmm. You can see it in a new light. Yeah, it's its its own separate thing. Obviously there's, there's, there's there are similarities, but- uh, <laughs> Well, there has uh, to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I think um, hopefully the people who were concerned about that uh, are, are aren't anymore yeah we're the opposite we live for a reboot <laughs> we're like bring it back. <laughs> we're always rooting for those so we don't we are you're in good company <laughs> <laughs> was it fun to write kind of a, this story but now with different technology how like you know addison ray obviously is huge on tiktok and then that was kind of incorporated into the movie yeah, it really was um it uh and you know when she saw that came out it was still a pretty it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessarily super common for people to have. You know, there were characters with cell phones, but that what they certainly even at that point they weren't as common. Matter of fact, I don't. Yeah. Think I could afford a cell phone until I until um, she's all that. Um, but yes, so obviously, and when we we first started talking about the idea of he's all that, I mean, what is popularity in in twenty twenty one compared to you know back then? And of mm-hmm. course, you can't tell that story without social media being a. No. Uh, mm-hmm. component of it um so yes and it and um so it, pretty quickly in the process pretty early in the process uh Paget, the main character became an inf- was an influencer um mm. and then of course the fact that we were able to get um uh, uh addison like, addison goodness yeah <laughs> we were able to get addison um was just uh just you know obviously just Dreamcasting. Oh, so it was in the script first that she was going to be an influencer before you yeah. got Addison. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and of course she just knocked it out of the park. Mm. She really did. She was wonderful. It was like, it was written just for her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and it really was, I think it was just, it was just kind of like, wow, I could, it wasn't even, I, it, I knew who she was. And I was like, I, you know, I can't imagine that that's actually who's going to wind up being in a part. Yeah. I was, I was ecstatic when I found out that she was doing it. And then I remember whenever we watched the trailer, Grace texted me and she was like, Kourtney Kardashian is in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
How did that come to be? Was it because her and Addison are like BFFs in real life? That's my understanding. Yeah. Again, I was, you know, that's one of those things where I, at that point I had handed, I did continue to work on the script throughout the process, but yeah, that was, I would, I'd find out about a lot of that stuff at the same time everybody else did. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah. I mean, I think I got a phone call saying, Hey, good, good news. And, uh, and obviously, you know, again, that's just like perfect casting Mm -hmm. and and she did a great job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you know, did anyone, we just, our fangirls have to ask, did anyone even try to get Freddie back? Was he reached out? What, did anyone reach out to him at all? Uh, I think, and I think Rachel talked about this in an interview. I, I, it's yes. It's my understanding that he, he, uh, he declined to be part of it, but, but also said, just wish, you know, wish this, there wasn't, there wasn't a part that, because we did write the thing first. So I, I was, mm-hmm. I was instructed not to write it for like put Laney and Zach and Brock oh, okay. back back in, uh, you know, put put them in this into it. So um, there wasn't a part, there wasn't a part, a, cl- a clearly defined part that he could. We would have had to come up with something. Like so something separate. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, I mean, I haven't heard, I haven't heard anything about uh, how I felt about the movie, but no, he he was, uh, um, it was discussed, but uh, mm-hmm. did, did not did not come to pass on this one. I mean, the fact that you got Rachel and Matthew back was oh, was so great. great. Oh my gosh. They were so great. That was, it was, I was, I was so happy. Yeah. And I, I thought, uh, I thought they both were just wonderful. They really were. Now I know that our show is all about the nineties, uh, to the two thousands, but I do have to go a little further and just tell you, I loved light as a feather. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, old roommate and I remember whenever season one came out, we binged it like so quick. And then <laughs> I was so excited. There was a season two. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. It was, um, that was so much fun. Um, that was my first time to actually get to run a show. And, um, I adapted that from, uh, from, a, a book that was written by a writer named Zoe Arson, who, um, and a book that had done really well on Wattpad and, uh, and I, I, I was really excited because I was, I felt like I had never done anything that had a horror element to it, anything. Um, so it was, I was kind of surprised when I got the job, but I was, uh, I had a blast. It was so fun. I mean, I get to write teen stuff, but I also get to murder people every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a kind of a new, cool, new, fun tool to have in my uh, toolbox. And, 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 you know, I was, I was working with a lot of writers who, we're so knowledgeable, are so knowledgeable about, uh, about all things horror. And, um, so, um, it was, it was, it was, uh, that was a blast. Yeah. We got to make 26 episodes, I think. So, yeah. well, thanks for watching it. That, that yeah, it was so, good. Good. <laughs> so is there anything that you can tell us anything you have coming up, anything you're working on that you can share with our listeners? Well, um, there are a couple of things that are still kind of on the horizon that I'm, I, I haven't, gotten to the point where I can really talk about them but um I am I remember just a little before uh before we jumped on this um I I've been working uh as a writer producer on a show called um Secrets of Sulphur Springs on Disney Channel and Disney Plus um okay uh created by uh Tracy Thompson and the showrunners Chuck Pratt um and uh we are finishing up our second season um, which should come out and it's it's uh it's a really fun um uh, family kind of time travel um uh adventure action adventure uh kind of thing that's uh uh we we're, we're finishing up season two which should come out early next year sometime oh great oh, that's so we exciting. will look out for it um so yeah that's uh that's kind of uh that's that's what i'm doing right now 
That's all. Okay, so you've clearly written a bunch of different kinds of writing from, like you said, kind of horror to teen to comedy. Do you have a favorite type of writing to do? Gosh, now that I've gotten to do so many things. And, you know, when I started, the people really were kind of, everything was very compartmentalized and you didn't find a lot of people who were doing movies and features or or comedy and drama. And I think everything is sort of led together. Obviously the technology has sort of led, led us, uh, or lent its, you know, self to that, um, that happening. Um, I still, I think I, I still like writing, um, I still like writing for, for, for a younger audience. Um, and I like stuff that blends all of those things together. Um, mm. Um, I think, I think, you know, I think that's, uh, I feel like that's kind of my, my sweet spot, or at least what I'm gravitating towards now. And do you pull from a lot of real life experiences? I do. I must have this sort of untapped well of, of high school angst that I'm still (laughs) 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 somehow. Um, so, I mean, yes, I mean, I, I, I do feel like I do go like, I mean, I, I, I do still go back to kind of what it felt like to be that age. And that's mm. a, that's a fun thing to dramatize. Um, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any question that I still, uh, I still, I do use my, uh, I do use my, my experience. Yeah. Well, we can't wait for the new uh, Disney show. Mm. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for having me. I was going to say, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And you taking the time and everything. Of course, this is so much fun. I really like your show, by the way. I was listening to uh, listening to episodes yesterday and this morning. Oh, thank oh, you. Thank you. Yeah, it's in my rotation now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are day, a lot of podcasts out there. So many podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day a few years ago, I just texted Grace and we just went with it. <laughs> I've been doing it for about two and a half years now. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you for doing this. It, we just, and thank you for letting us fangirl a little bit over some of the things we asked you about. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for asking me. Yeah. Much fun. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lee. Thanks. We really appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. Take care. Thanks. You Bye. too. Lee, if you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for coming on. We had the best time talking to you. Everyone make sure to check out, well, check out She's All That and He's All That. Both of the movies are incredible. You're going to love them both. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. And like I mentioned, it's after the 2000s, but if you have not watched Light as a Feather, both seasons are on Hulu. (laughs) I could not recommend it. Highly recommend it. It's so good. (laughs) Literally, like he was saying, it is like, it's the teen drama that we both love mixed with um, death and murder. Also oh, perfect for, for the season. Death, murder, and love. Love and, and murder and death. <laughs> now here at Back to the Best, as we were saying, it's officially fall. Get out your pumpkins, get out your scented candles, get ready to stomp on some crispy leaves. And we are so excited to watch our favorite fall movies. And we decided to go back and look up some reviews from one of our favorites, Hocus Pocus, from the year it was released. 1993. Because if people don't know, Hocus Pocus was not always as beloved as it is now. When the movie first came out, people did not know what to make of it and did not really care for it. This review is from July 16th, 1993. Because remember when Hocus Pocus came out, it was a summer release. It was not in the fall. Yes. This review is from Roger Ebert. 
Roger gives it one star. Oh, okay. (laughs) Thank you, Roger. He opens it up. Now I'll just read this part by part and we can just dive into Roger's review here. Okay. Hocus Pocus is a film desperately in need of self-discipline. It's one of those projects where you imagine everyone laughing and applauding each other after every scene because they're so convinced they're wild and crazy guys. But watching this movie is like attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't know anybody and they're all in on a joke but won't explain it to you. Okay. (laughs) Grace's face right now is just filled with anger. Well, okay. So my first, the first thing I want to say about the comment, the like a party that you weren't, what did he say? Like Uh, basically like that it's full of inside jokes that the viewer doesn't know about. Is that what he's trying to say? Yeah. It's like you're invited, you're attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't know anybody and they're all in on a joke, but will not explain it to you. So my comment to that is, is that, isn't that true for most movies you see for the first time? You don't, you're watching it for the first time. You don't know everything that's going on. You're just absorbing it. Mm -hmm. Roger. Roger. (laughs) We should just call this segment defending our favorite movies. Can we find Roger and have him on to talk about his review all these years later? We'll look him up. Roger, Mm. we're coming for you. He goes on. The plot involves three witches who are hanged in Salem, Massachusetts, 300 years ago, and their bodies are placed under a curse. Roger, I'm with you so far. This is true. At the same time, under conditions too bothersome to explain, a young boy is turned into an immortal cat. Flash forward 300 years as the witches are resurrected at Halloween time in present day America and the cat is still hanging around and modern characters, including cute little Danny and Max become targets of the witch's wrath. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really have a comment there because he's just explaining the plot. Right, right, right. The movie is filled with special effects. Lots of them as the witches fly around on brooms and vacuum cleaners and the cat develops the ability to speak. But the effects, the characters, and the plot are all tossed into a confusing cauldron in which there is great activity, but little progress, and a lot of hysterical shrieking. Hysterical shrieking. The whole movie has progress. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, someone Mm -hmm. watching it for the first time with no fan base backing it. Cause I'm also trying to remember the first time I ever watched Hocus Pocus and what I thought of it. Mm -hmm. It is hard to separate. Like, do we like something because of its nostalgic factor to us? Mm -hmm. Or do we like it? Cause it's good. But I think that this is just good. I think it's good. I think it's so quotable. I think it's funny spooky. I don't know. It's it it is, it is hard, but I'm trying, I don't know that I was obsessed with it as a kid, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I think it was a little scary. Yeah. Um, oh, with, yeah, the zombie and. Yeah, but I guess it just, some movies become cult classics. And over time, it's almost like they're, they're just like fine wine. They do better with fine age. Wine. You know? Look at the next paragraph. Okay. The witches are led by Bette Midler, who knows a good line of dialogue when she hears one and must have suspected that she wasn't hearing many from the screenplay because she goes into her hyper mode and tries to use noise as a substitute for acting. Her sidekicks, played by Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy, are more fortunate in that they are given less to do. A story like this requires some kind of structure, some sort of clean-cut goals to be won and fates to be avoided, 
Watching Hocus Pocus, I had no doubt that the filmmakers had talked their way through the plot to their own satisfaction without stopping to ask if it could be followed by an audience. This is the kind of movie where the characters keep reciting the rules and reminding each other of their supernatural realities, shrieking an alarm while we stare indifferently at the screen. Of the film's many problems, the greatest may be that all three witches are thoroughly unpleasant. They don't have personalities. They have behavior patterns and decibel levels. A good movie inspires the audience to subconsciously, subconsciously ask, give me more. The witches in this one inspired me, my silent cry, get me out of here. End oh review. my End gosh. Review. I, it is because the, we have done multiple episodes on Hocus Pocus. So mm-hmm. it is funny because now like the reviews have totally changed, but this is just one of many reviews very similar to this when it first came out. Yeah. Oh yeah. People definitely did not enjoy it. Um, it's hard. Yeah. It's a bit bizarre at times. I mean, Winifred Sanderson is a lot to digest. She is very dramatic. Um, the whole, I'm not going to lie, like the whole idea of them, like sucking the souls out of children. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It's a lot, you know? Um, but what was his name again? The man, Roger, Roger, Roger seemed to really just not like the tones, like the shriek. He talked about no. the shrieking a lot. So that just might be a personal thing with Roger. And this is something, um, you know, we'll do more of these, but this is something that we've noticed anytime we do a, a deep dive into a movie or a show. Usually when we go to look up like the Rotten Tomato score or reviews, they're not anywhere near what we um, expect them to be. Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, Hocus Pocus got a 38% from Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And that's just not accurate, you know? Right. I mean, you have to, in, in 93, was it, was it what people expected and what people enjoyed? Probably not. Um, I wonder what made it grow on people, right? Like maybe there was maybe the internet. I don't know. Like, was there a small group of people that always did like it, but their voices weren't heard over the critics. And then with the internet, you could make a message board or a blog and you could share. And Mm -hmm. maybe all the hocus pocus fans got together on a message board. They were like, wait, I always loved this too. And it grew. I don't know, but you know what? I don't want to revisit this review anymore. (laughs) No, I don't I mean, like I, it. N- no, I mean, negative reviews are never fun. I also wonder if when Sarah Jessica Parker, who of course was Sarah, when she, I mean, Sex in the City was so big and that started in 1998. Maybe that when people were like, oh, that's the woman from Hocus Pocus and people watched it then. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like what brought people back to it? But it just goes to show that those first reviews really mean nothing. They mean nothing. You got to give something a chance. If you guys have any other movies from the 90s or the early 2000s, you want us to go find original reviews, please send us a DM. Yes, send us a DM. We would love to go back and read it. And it'd be fun if we had no idea what people thought of it. Because we did know that Hocus Pocus had negative reviews at first. It was interesting to hear why, though. I'm always curious why people didn't like it at first. Because like we said... I feel like we've always loved it. Uh-huh. I yeah. Oh, well, let us know. We would love to go over more movies and hear what their original reviews were. Yes. And if you're not already following us, we are on Instagram and Twitter at BTTB Podcast. Feel free to send us a message there and we will look up reviews for really anything. Anything that you want. 
really that's a one-stop shop, but make sure you're following us on Instagram at BTDB podcast. We're on Facebook, back to the best TikTok, back to the best. We're on Twitter, BTDB podcast. We have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash back to the best. We would love and appreciate all your support. Make sure you share our episodes with your friends, with your family, give us a review, give us five stars. That would be that would be really, really wonderful. It'd be so nice. And Lee, so nice. again, thank you so much for coming on. If you're not already following Lee, he is on Instagram at Milcon. It's at M-I-L-C-O-N-N. So make sure you go over there, show Lee some love. And of course, check out his new show coming to Disney+. Plus. We can't wait. We literally can't wait. We love We're all so things excited. Disney and are so excited. Yes. And uh, make sure you tune in next week where we are going to keep taking you Back to the best. Ta-ta. Bye.